Welcome to How Story Works from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm concept developer Dr. Kelly Jones. We're breaking up How Story Works into four seasons following four topics, character, conflict, structure, and magic. This is season two, Conflict. Today we are examining the conflicts in the 2020 Disney movie Godmothered. And if it needs fixing, we'll use narrative theory to fix it. Story is power, and we don't leave power on the table. So let's get to work. All right, Dr. Jones. Now, I would love for you to tell the backstory on how we ended up taking a look at Godmothered. Yeah, so this is really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, Disney family comedy is not my Mm go-to genre. Mine either since my kids grew up. (laughs) Right, right. right. Mm -hmm. And I realized I'm, I'm very out of practice watching quote-unquote kids movies Mm -hmm. so that was kind of fun because you go in with a different set of expectations um but a few years ago i had an idea for a novel about a fairy godmother in training Mm -hmm. but it didn't come to me as like a character you know i didn't it can't the the actual rule book yes was what came to me so much it was so cute because that is how my brain works. Um, so I was writing like the rules of being a fairy godmother mm-hmm. and some of that stuff. But it was fictional nonfiction mm-hmm. more than like right. the character and, you know, like, I don't know, goals, like conflict, some shit. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it was really fun. It was a really cute idea. Mm-hmm. And then uh, in dis- early, early December, the first couple of days of December, my sweetie texted me and, and was like, there is a movie. Oh, my God. And sent me the link to Godmother. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. Because, you know, going back to Elizabeth Gilbert's idea of if you an idea visits you. Yes. And you don't write it, it is going to go find another home. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool to see this movie. I mean, definitely different mm-hmm. than what I had envisioned. But to see the concept come to life. Yeah in some kind of way, was really, really fun. Um, So then I made you watch it. So then we have to talk about it. Well, I'm really excited about that, too, because I remember you you talking about this. I think back, originally, we were doing Big Strong Yes, right? We were uh, Mm -hmm. in the middle. We did uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic, which is where we heard the story about ideas that visit you and then will travel on to somebody else. And Elizabeth Gilbert told a story about a time she had an idea for a novel and then visited with Ann Patchett, gave Ann Patchett a kiss, and then some months later, Ann Patchett's like, oh, I have this idea for this novel. And it was exactly the same novel. And so Elizabeth Gilbert had this idea that it had been like transferred with a kiss, which is very, very I love sweet. That story. And so when you sent this to me, I was like, girl, who you been smooching? <laughs> so good. Like, who did you kiss? No one at Disney? Like, it was very funny. Yeah. Um, but it was really, really cool. And it, it's not the the kind of movie I probably would have been aware mm-hmm. of or would have found, mm-hmm. except for that very, very specific context. I love it. Um, so it was neat to kind of see some ideas, you know, mm-hmm. pop up on the big screen. Um, and they did work in some things that I greatly appreciate because the movie ends, as all movies should, with massive curriculum reform. Right. And I am... <laughs> I am here for that. I love how much 
pedagogy works into your appreciation of storytelling. Like that oh, is yeah. the best. It just it makes me so fuck. I'm like, <laughs> yes, give me an educational institution mm-hmm. that we are going to revamp yes. and and open and change. Like God, yes. Whereas, give me all of the <laughs> curriculum. Maybe it's so funny. So I have a friend who, but, but pre-COVID, mm-hmm. um, we would go see all the Marvel movies yeah. together. Mm-hmm. Like that's our thing. Mm-hmm. And the, our standing joke is, okay, but when is curriculum reform going to actually save the world? <laughs> like, you, you know, you get fancy mm-hmm. suits, mm-hmm. you get like technology, whatever, it's fine. You know, you got some dude snapping his thumb and causing problem all over the place. And I'm like, where is the superhero curriculum designer? Because that is what I am waiting on. That is what I'm, I love I it. Am we'll see for. if we can have Joshua Unruh uh, whip something up like that, that up. Yeah, yes, create that, create that superhero character because he will absolutely know how to do that. Yeah, it would be so fantastic. It would be so fantastic. All right, so what are your responses to Godmothered? How did you enjoy the story here? Um, so there were parts that I liked. It's mm-hmm. This is a little silly for me mm-hmm. in most yeah. of the places. Um, I appreciate the kind of tongue in cheek self-awareness yeah. that we get from Disney mm-hmm. in this, that they, it, it's almost them kind of standing back and saying, Hey, y'all know that last 50 years right. of, you know, total bullshit that we set you up on. Like, we're really sorry about the influence we had on your childhood, <laughs> but maybe we can do better. But here's something cute. It, it does. It kind of has that, that sense of enchanted enchanted did a similar thing where it took all yeah. of those tropes and, and smashed them into the quote unquote real world to see what would happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which I thought was kind of cute. Mm-hmm. Um, I did appreciate that while McKenzie has like a quote unquote love interest, mm-hmm. that's not the point. Yeah. Like, that's not the happily ever after. But I love the ending where they had every, I mean, they def, it, I, they were defining terms and reforming curriculum. Yeah. <laughs> um, they had everybody define, uh-huh. like, what is your true love? Like, what does that actually mean? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of really broke that out of the, the yeah. traditional mold. And then I think it raised some very good questions about what is happily ever after? What does that mean? What does it mean to choose to believe in enchantment? Mm -hmm. Which I think is a question as an adult that is super easy to get away from. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but but we have this this kind of sense of like and I and I think maybe this was subtle and maybe I'm giving the movie more credit than it deserves, but to have your, you know, the the person who needs the help from the fairy godmother you know, works in, in news, mm-hmm. in media. And so, like, they they are selling fear mm-hmm. and and terror. And, like, that is the point, right? Like, how bad can we make this story up against mm-hmm. a fairy tale? Right. So, like, what do we choose to believe in, both individually and as a society? Mm-hmm. Like, I think there were some interesting questions um, in there to unpack. So I, I got a lot more out of it, um, probably because I'm so biased toward anything in a fairy godmother space. I'm like, right. yeah, give me, I, I want it. all of it. I love it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what about you? Did you enjoy any part of this? Oh, gosh. You know what? This for me really landed into this space of the one more draft movie. Like mm-hmm. had, we, had it had one more draft, I think I would have liked it a lot. Um, there was space here, you know, as you're talking about these, uh, these ideas about what are you going to believe, right? You know, like there was a huge space here for like a thematic argument for 
naivete and optimism, yeah. right? Yes. Versus, you know, cynicism um, and, and quote unquote reality, right? You know, the idea that you choose the reality that you, you live in, that you choose the narrative that you decide to, to go with. Um, and so like, I felt like there was a lot of potential for that. And then there was some discussion of it, like everything they were doing with this movie all along, I was like, Ugh, you know, and then I started like taking notes on it and everything. And I was like, well, they could have done this. Well, they could have done this. Then they come in with the ending. And at the end, mm-hmm. they kind of do a lot of the stuff that like the the idea that the prince was not her happy ending. Yeah. You know, um, there are ways in which the lines of conflict narratively, like there's a lot of things that are that are muddied in here narratively. But there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of stuff that that really has that. Um, has that potential to kind of talk about these other things, except I don't like, I feel like where it went wrong in, in a narrative theory sense, what narrative theory could have fixed, could have taken what was really good and strong in this movie and made it a lot stronger. Oh yeah. I think there's tons of opportunity for improvement and it does very much feel like one more draft. Yeah. Just come on. You're so close. So close. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting. Like, it's something we would call a quote-unquote kids movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it raises a very interesting question for adults. Mm-hmm. And and I say this as someone who has a birthday in six days. <laughs> adding a year here. Mm-hmm. But it, it raises the question of, when is it too late? Mm-hmm. So, like, when is it too, too late to write your first novel? Yeah. When is it too late to find the love of your life? When is it too late to move to New Zealand and leave, live on a boat, like whatever. So like, but I think mm-hmm. subconsciously or socially, we tend to integrate this idea that there is some deadline. Yeah. You know, if I haven't done this mm-hmm. by the time I'm this, mm-hmm. you know, like I remember I finished my PhD the year I turned 35 mm-hmm. and I was like, well, I'm done. Right. This is, this is, <laughs> this is as smart as I'm ever going to get. <laughs> this is the most I'm ever going to, like, mm-hmm. I did it in my mid thirties and now I just get old and that's it. Like, and I, I think the movie really raises some interesting questions because when Eleanor comes to find Mackenzie, so Mackenzie was eight or nine mm-hmm. when she wrote that letter and, and she shows up at her workplace and here's Mackenzie, you know, grown mm-hmm. and Eleanor says, no, it can't be you. You're too old. Right. And, and I think a lot of us have that voice mm-hmm. in our head mm-hmm. a lot of the time. Like, no, you're too old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and again, it was subtle. I think they could have done a lot more with it. Right. Um, but if, I, if you choose to watch it with a generous lens, mm-hmm. like I was surprised how much I enjoyed certain parts of, of the, the things it feels like it's raising. Yeah. I don't know that it narratively earns raising those things. I think, but that, I think that the problems in the narrative make those things that that are really interesting very muddied you know Um, so it doesn't get them across as clearly as it could and really that is the purpose of applying narrative theory to stories it's not that like your narrative is perfect your narrative should not be what the spotlight is on the spotlight should be your characters and your theme and your magic and all of that but the narrative builds the stage for that spotlight to go on for the things that you want the spotlight to be on to stand you know Um, and the better that stage is built the more spotlight you can get on the things that you really, really want to highlight. Um, And so this is a situation where we've got some really neat things happening, but it's not on a really well-built stage. It's not being supported properly by the narrative. 
Yeah, and it answered a question I've had most of my life because I always assumed that like my assigned fairy godmother mm-hmm. like got fired, <laughs> needed remedial <laughs> training. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that bitch has not been has doing her job. Fallen down I'm on the job, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. like for real. But I did not know that you were supposed to write a letter. Uh-huh. Two fairy godmothers. And so when I saw that, I was like, well, that fucking explains it. Go. Because I never wrote a letter. So I have been blaming uh-huh. this inept, lazy, uncaring uh-huh. fairy godmother my whole life. When in fact, I didn't, do I didn't my get part. the memo about writing the letter. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Right. You know, yeah. so I thought that part was pretty <laughs> cute. <laughs> I liked that too. All right. So a little bit of information, uh, production information on this movie before we get moving into the narrative analysis. Um, it was written by Carrie Granlin and Melissa K. Stack. And I do appreciate the fact that there are women writing a movie about women. I think that that is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Sharon McGuire, also a woman who also directed Bridget Jones's Diary, which is one of my favorite films. I always enjoy that one um produced by walt disney pictures and secret machine entertainment uh godmother debuted on disney plus on december 4th 2020 it probably would have been a major theater release if we had theaters at this point um we have jane Curtin as moira yes and we will see her again next week and can you ever forgive me which is another movie we're going to be discussing here on how story works um and she apparently was also on the good wife and kelly you liked her there huh oh god i love the good wife I've My enjoyment of that yet. show is so irrational. I freaking love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I enjoyed her on there very oh, much. I like um, her a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like side note for anybody that watches the movies that we're watching. So we're going to do Can You Ever Forgive Me mm-hmm. next week, um, which is so excellent that I, I don't even have words yes, to describe it. I'm excited about it. But that. it's based on Lee Israel's memoir yes. by the same title, mm-hmm. which is narrated by Jane Curtin, who was also in that movie. Oh, my goodness. This is just a Jane Curtin thing. Have I told you that I, I met yeah. Jane Curtin in person once? No. I did. I was working as an intern at WTZA, the television station in Kingston, New York, we were doing a story on Woodstock and she was in Woodstock on that day, as was Angelica Houston. Like I saw both oh of them. My God. But I went up to Jane Curtin and I asked her if she would comment for our, I mean, here I am like 19 years old. I'm like, um, could you, would you comment on this story that we're doing? And she's like, no, but she was very sweet to me. She was incredibly <laughs> sweet to me. Um, That's so cool. And, uh, yeah, so it was it was it was really fun. I like her a lot. And also we have Isla Fisher as Mackenzie, um, who is also in Now You See Me. Um, yes. Right. And what is now? Yes. Now You See Me. Oh my God! Now you see. Okay, this is another movie I have irrational love for. Yeah. Um, now you see me. It was actually a joke on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> Last night? Yeah. Uh, so the joke is, let's get Now You See Me to become the number one movie on Hulu, which is about as likely as GameStop being the top selling stock <laughs> in the stock market. But I actually enjoy it. Uh-huh. So it is a it is a heist. Yes. Um, it is four magicians mm-hmm. who come together through like shared illusion and they rob banks during live performances. I love it. And it's like the the FBI agent who's tracking them down. And I enjoy it quite a lot. That sounds like But fun. I was thinking about that might be a fun one for structure mm-hmm. because it the movie itself is kind of an illusion. Like awesome. it's structured like a magic act. 
That'll be fun. So yeah, let's yeah, definitely take a look fun. at that. That sounds like an advanced structure, which could be really, yeah. really fun to talk about because structure is so complex. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a really interesting season of How Story Works. We'll put that on the yes. on the slate and see what happens with that. Um, yeah. So this movie again, it's it's fairly recent. It just came out a couple of months ago. Um, it's yep. it's super cute. There's a lot of of cute, fun stuff in it, but. When we're talking about narrative theory and we're talking about conflict, um, what we need to do is identify the conflict. Now, as the student this uh, this season on How Story Works, um, tell me, who is the protagonist of this movie? Okay, so I put Eleanor mm-hmm. as the protagonist. Mm-hmm. She has the most to lose. Yep. Her world is going to magically dissolve for some reason right. with some kind of time bomb. Mm-hmm. She has the most to prove. She's risking the most. She wants it the most. And we follow her for the majority of the movie. Right. So the three things that define a protagonist are that we're in their POV, that they have the most at stake, and that their pursuit of a specific goal is the motive force that's moving the story forward. So I would say that Eleanor definitely fits all of those. Right? Yep. I think so, too. All right. So what does Eleanor want? So Eleanor wants to be... Like, she wants to godmother Mackenzie. Yes. So she wants to make, like, fill the request Mm -hmm. of Mackenzie's letter from so many years ago. Um, And then we have the Doctor Who wibbly wobbly timey wimey nonsense that Mackenzie is now an adult. And, you know, that part is moot. Um, So Eleanor wants Mackenzie to find her happily ever after. Mm -hmm. And, like, she wants to facilitate the the making of that right she wants to she i mean i love the verb mm-hmm. she wants to godmother she wants to McKinley. godmother her all right yeah. so if that's the case who's the antagonist i think it's mckenzie okay. um primarily mm-hmm. because mckenzie doesn't believe in this anymore and she doesn't want eleanor's right. help mm-hmm. you know once she's convinced that oh yeah fairy godmothers are a thing um she's like no thanks i'm good but there i think there's a secondary so I, I think we're supposed to feel like there's a secondary antagonist mm-hmm. in Moira, but I really don't. Moira's not blocking Eleanor so much as she's just like, hey, this is, you can't fix this and you need to come home before you get stuck. Like, right. And I actually appreciated that there wasn't mm-hmm. a villain in Moira. Like, it's just, you know, it was, so that felt kind of different. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm wondering if there's also a case to be made about Eleanor versus society Mm -hmm. because she's pushing back against the fairy godmother world that people don't believe in anymore and it's falling apart and then she's pushing against the the lack of belief in magic and happily ever after in our world Mm -hmm. so like I kind of felt like there was some of that going on um but the only moment that felt super clear other than Mackenzie kind of saying no, right. you know, and blocking mm-hmm. Eleanor was that one conversation when Eleanor was like, I'm just trying to godmother you. And Mackenzie said, that's about you. Right. Like you're you're doing what you want. It's not about me. So like I felt like they were pretty clearly laying out that antagonism. Mm hmm. All right. I think the fact that you just pulled out three lines of antagonism and wasn't and are not clear on any one of them can like yeah. indicate kind of where we have a problem um, in this. We don't have a clear line of antagonism upon which the structure is based. It starts out mm-hmm. as Eleanor versus Moira. Because we're in fairy godmother land and she's being blocked from getting her assignment, yada, yada. Then she goes into the world 
Um, and she wants to be a fairy godmother. And the thing is, is that like Mackenzie is not making that easy for her, but Mackenzie also isn't really blocking her. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Mackenzie is like, you know, come stay at my house. I'll take care of you. We'll get, you know, she just doesn't believe in it. So, so as an antagonist, Mackenzie doesn't have a goal that is in direct conflict, a goal that she is in pursuit of that is in direct conflict with Eleanor. Um, it's right. not like she's trying to prevent Eleanor from doing this. She just doesn't believe in it. So she's just being difficult more than actually blocking Eleanor in that. Um, and Eleanor is removed from Moira. We have these these moments, these punctuated moments with Agnes where Agnes is like, hey, we're running out of time. You know, and they put a time lock on it. They're like, you got a couple yeah. of days, right? So the time mm-hmm. lock is good. That adds that pressure. Um, she's like, you know, Moira's going to come for you. Moira's going to come for you. Um, but Moira is not actively trying to stop Eleanor. Moira is not in the movie for the most part. Moira is just kind of mm-hmm. hanging back. So that's not really the line of antagonism. Um, and then there's this sense of almost Eleanor versus Eleanor in that she is godmothering Mackenzie, but she's doing it wrong. She's making it about her. I thought that actually that scene where, hey, that's about you had a lot of nice clarity to it. You know, yeah. um, which I really, yeah. really liked, but we d- didn't spend the time building up that that's where Eleanor is going wrong until we got there. So it feels mm-hmm. like they were they they had this ship and they were starting to steer it in the right direction right at the end. But everything that built up to it was a series of it was just a series of mishaps and comedic misadventures and here we have a raccoon who was our magical helper and uh, the okay, but he was a really cute dog raccoon. is a pig yeah you know you're not gonna yeah. go wrong with a raccoon you know but um, right right but it's all it's all just uh, it just lacks a focus you know and so yeah. I think that you have like two different story opportunities there like either. You don't need Moira blocking Eleanor. If Eleanor is going out into the world to save and she is the last person and all the fairy godmothers are like, we are counting on you, Eleanor. You're going to do this. You're the one. They've chosen her or she has volunteered or whatever. Right. Um, And she decides to, you know, go out with all of them cheering her on and Agnes coming in every now and again to be like, yeah, um, you know, one by one, the fairy godmothers are disappearing and becoming other kinds of fairies or whatever, which also isn't a great consequence like if they're disappearing Mm -hmm. it's a little dark for a kid's film but if they're like disappearing and we don't know what happens to them they're just blinking out of existence because we don't need fairy godmothers anymore again a little dark for a kid's show a kid's story but let's not forget you know fairy tales the original grim you know kind of things (laughs) uh those were written for kids back in the day and those are hella dark but um right but that there's some kind of consequence other than that you know because one of the fairy godmothers was like yeah we become tooth fairies and that's fine you got a little change in your pocket you know you get your days off like i mean you know it sounds like it's not that bad um so if you do something where there's all these fairy godmothers who maybe are going to be a different kind of fairy and don't want to be that kind of fairy that they're like, you know, I I trained for this. This is what I do. And now my sense of myself, my sense of who I am, my sense of what I'm supposed to be in this world, which, by the way, as the world rapidly changes, is a, a, a problem that a lot of people can identify with, right? So that yeah. gives you some story juice in that you're working. Fiction is a place where we work out our own anxieties and our own worries and our own trauma and all of that. Um, that if you have people who are trying to find a new way to exist 
in the world and that that is what they're doing. And she is the one who has that on her back, that she right. is carrying this for all of the people that she loves. Um and then making it about her, which is one of the things in this that I didn't have a problem with with fairy godmothers and that they exist solely to to be about other people like they're they live yeah. in service of others. And that is their entire existence. That's the reason for their existence. And so for Eleanor to go out into the world selfishly to do something for her and forcing something on Mackenzie that Mackenzie does actively does not want. So Mackenzie is blocking mm -hmm. her. I think that could have been a really kind of an interesting thing until we get to this light bulb moment at the end, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't know, but anyway, uh, you had a response to my response. I did. Yeah. So, cause I was thinking about this, mm -hmm. that it was like, well, you know, being a fairy godmother is just about being of service to somebody else and what, you know, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, Except so is being a surgeon. Right. No, I was so just I re having that no, exact no, thought. I'm like, yes, and right? so is a nurse. And so is, yes. So is, so, but so I was mm -hmm. like, all right, let's take this and, and switch it from fairy tale university to medical school. So I'm like, yeah, you, you are there to learn how to care for other people. Right. You are there to learn how to save lives. That is your sole purpose. That is why you're doing all this, this incredibly hard money. work. Well, but- but let's say not. Okay, so like okay. the university where I taught, yes. our medical school, mm -hmm. um, we only graduated. We, our curriculum was only to train um, rural family doctors. Uh -huh. So, I mean, yeah, they would make more than a rural seventh grade science mm -hmm. teacher. But this is not big But it big wasn't money. big money, right. Mm -hmm. It was not big money. Um, but so I'm just, let's, let's take the societal value mm -hmm. What we as a society have placed on medical school versus what we as a society have placed on fairy tale. Mm -hmm. I mean, fairy godmothering. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And look at the work itself. Right. So it is both of those are about being of service. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be a surgeon, you are also called to a certain area of specialty mm -hmm. for whatever reason. You know, heart surgery might speak to you more than brain surgery, or you might want to be an orthopedist uh -huh. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, like, for me, watching these fairy godmothers who are going through some extensive training, I mean, this looks mm -hmm. like a long-term curriculum, yeah. to simply switch mm -hmm. from being a fairy godmother to being a tooth fairy mm -hmm. would be the equivalent of switching from being a cardiologist to being an orthopedist. And I think the reason that one of those is a joke and one of those isn't is because Medical school is coded male. Fairy godmother school is coded female. Mm -hmm. But it's mostly about this, the value that we have placed on those things as a society right. where we pay our surgeons well. Mm -hmm. And we, we get mad about paying our artists mm -hmm. or, or our ministers yeah. or the people who are of service in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think the movie makes this deep of a, of a statement about it. But I, I think there's real substance there. right what i want there is the love of the work right yes and i think that you get a little bit of that again one more draft man one more yes, draft exactly would have done it because all of this stuff yep. is started here but it's not really there so like the idea that a fairy godmother exists so much to just do stuff for others and our service industry professionals do service work you know but um, they also get paid for it. They also have their lives. It supports their lives and their families and their everything. And the fairy godmothers don't have that. They just have school. They don't have a life that they are supporting with this. Um, that said, 
as a woman in love with her work, like, you know, I love a story that is a love story between a person and their work. Like, that is one yeah. of my favorite things. And yeah. I think, again, we get the beginnings of that here, but not enough that I feel no. like being a tooth fairy, especially when somebody who is doing it there is like, yeah, well, you know, you got some change in your pocket. You don't have to work. You only work nights, blah, yeah. blah, blah. There's, that they're not that horrified by it, but that the fact that, like, imagine you know, if we had had Eleanor in this community of people whose existence was about um, was about the the work of being a fairy godmother and what you do and the fact that nobody right. believed in it. And so these and if you have some fairies who are being pulled out into other fairy stuff you know other like mm -hmm. you know elves at the santa's workshop and the tooth fairy and like all of that kind of the stuff right. where kids are still believing in it but they're not believing in fairy godmothers anymore and then you yeah. have that threat of this is what i do like if somebody came up to me and they were like you can't be a story expert anymore because nobody believes in it but you mm -hmm. can be a nurse Right. You know, or something like that. And I'd be like, I'm not interested in being a nurse. If I had to put, uh, you know, an IV in somebody's hand, I would be so bad at it. Like, it's just not something, you know, this is what I'm trained to do. This is the work that I love, you know, yeah. and, and that kind of thing, like having that in there, I think would have made that work for me a little bit more. I think it would have strengthened it a lot. Um, like, especially if, if I swap out now that I'm just making a total mess of my analogies, if I swap out medical school for mm -hmm. becoming a nun. Yeah then you have the same service, right? You're not going to have a family of your own. Like you're going to be in community in service, yeah. but that is based on a specific faith. Right. And so if we were more clear mm -hmm. about the faith of the fairy godmother and that world. Mm -hmm. So like maybe what we're seeing in our world is people no longer believe in happily ever after. Right. So like it is, it is the, spirituality of it or it is that main belief that is degrading yeah and then so you're seeing them shift out so you know you can be a christmas elf because consumerism is alive and well so like right that's fine there are plenty of jobs there right but if if you're if you're all about happily ever after well sorry sugar nobody believes in that anymore um because then what you're really talking about is this goal of shifting fate mm -hmm. of the world see which is much bigger thematically what an interesting line that would be to be working underneath this and if you have this love affair between eleanor and her work which i yeah. love right you know me that's yep. that's my yeah. that's my catnip i'm always gonna love that that love mm -hmm. story you know the work love yeah. story um so anyway i think that we have established that thematically we're we're on um, in muddy places that yep. that narratively our conflict lines are are a bit muddied here um that we have a structure that is built on both a conflict with moira um and a conflict mm -hmm. with Mackenzie, um mm -hmm. and yet the the really interesting stuff isn't being pulled out like that your conflict as a writer should be pulling on your themes you know uh, should be yeah. pulling from that and i feel like we're we're missing that a lot um in this story yeah so um the other thing that i thought was weird and uh interesting and again undeveloped you know unbaked right was the um the ending where the godmothering was really for the kid you know, yes. for the oldest daughter. I love yeah. that moment where the kid's singing and she's amazing and she's so good mm -hmm. and all of this. Um, and uh, and so that was kind of a nice moment because, and again, 
love story with you know she found her one true love which work. was her work right her art you know yeah. and i love mm -hmm. that um and uh, so that could have been interesting but it was it was the whole thing was the all along focused on Mackenzie, and then in the last minute we flip to a young child right and again at what point is it to is Mackenzie? Mackenzie's in her mid thirties, and there's no hope for right. her. So we have there's to no go to a her. young. She's too old person. Yeah. Well, and and I think I liked the the sideline with Jane mm -hmm. because you see how Mackenzie's like Mackenzie doesn't believe in happiness anymore. Yes, and that is impacting Jane. Mm -hmm. So like she is wanting to remove her daughter from anything that touches on the idea of hope. Yeah. Like. Do not think that you can be a great singer. Do not like she's actively mm -hmm. channeling right. this disbelief mm -hmm. of anything slightly magical or special mm -hmm. or whatever into her child. Um, and I think that there's there's a lot they could have done that would have hit everybody if they really focused on faith. Yeah. What do we believe in? Who do we believe in? Mm -hmm. How do we show each other that we believe in each other? Yes. Because you would have had Moira dealing with the the lack of belief in mm -hmm. happily ever after you know for the whole world right. you would have had eleanor dealing with that on an individual level mm -hmm. you would have had mckenzie dealing with that within herself and and she's not like a bitter mean person mm -hmm. she lost the person she loved so yeah. like she has this real reaction to grief mm -hmm. there's a reason that she feels that way um and then you would have had jane so like you could have done yeah so much with that um, that I think could have been really, really beautiful. I love that. I love that. And I think that if we if we didn't have a line of conflict generating from Moira, that it was rather all of these fairy godmothers were getting shifted out into other roles that they did not want. They loved their work. Um, if there was, if Agnes or whoever Eleanor was closest with, was deeply, deeply saddened by this. And so Eleanor was was going out to like do this. If Eleanor wasn't so sure of herself, if Eleanor yeah. had been thrown out into the world and she was not entirely secure, didn't have enough faith in herself as a fairy godmother to see her have that struggle um, mm -hmm. and then meet up with Mackenzie, you know, um, I think that that all could have, if we had, if we had pulled that thing, there's a lot of different options here on themes that you can pull. Pull one, yeah. build that into your conflict, build that into your structure, get all of that working together so that all of these things are, are heightening each other rather than pulling away from each other, which I think is the problem that we have in this. Um, yeah in this movie. So let's go ahead and see what we can do to fix it. I think we're coming up with a couple of things, but just quickly again, I'm going to make my thing. When you are fixing a story, the most important thing is preserving what a story intended to do and what it did well. So you start with the positives and you guard fiercely those positives. Um, also fixing with narrative theory is not a paint by numbers process. You don't just run through the rules of narrative theory and apply them. You utilize narrative theory to fix what is broken while preserving what works. And sometimes things that violate the rules of narrative theory are not necessarily a problem. So go by the old saw. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. All right. So let's talk about what ain't broke and what we want to preserve, what's working. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, what did the story do well? I think that the story set out to tell a whimsical modern take on the idea of fairy godmothers um, with fairy godmothers at the center of the story. Um, what, what else do you think this story set out to do? Do you have anything to add to that? 
Um, I agree with the modern, whimsical fairy tale. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think in addition to kind of repositioning what a fairy godmother is like it so it's re it's questioning what do we mean by happily ever after what do we mean by true love Mm -hmm. but one of the things that i appreciated in this was the lack of antagonism okay Mm -hmm. because like sometimes just being in the world is enough Mm -hmm. like just just what life puts us through Mm -hmm. is enough that like you don't have to have a villain i enjoyed the absence of villain yeah um, and I don't think we see that a lot in kids' movies, mm-hmm. in fairy – we certainly don't see that a lot in fairy yeah. tales. Um, so I did appreciate that. And that felt a little different mm-hmm. um, in terms of, you know, trying to tell a new kind of, of fairy tale. Right. I think they set up Moira to be a bit of a villain, um, but didn't follow Maybe. through with it. And it would have been better without that antagonism, I think. Um, I love yeah. a benevolent antagonist, you know, where you yes. have people working against each other, but nobody is – actively being evil they just believe different things you know and 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 as a meditation on the role of faith and the role of belief Mm -hmm. you know and and also like the idea that that is naive i think is something that we believe you know that 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 all of that stuff is naive it's not realistic and you know you need to be realistic and and do you really because the the bottom line is like the science says that being realistic does not make your life better you know, believing in good things and having faith in things, um, that things will be better um, and having that optimism is actually beneficial. And so I think that like having that at, at a core, I love the idea of, of ringing the faith bell at the core of mm-hmm. all of these stories. I think that's really good. Um, all right. So what was good for me? Like, I like Eleanor. I like the character that played Eleanor. I really love the fact that she's not a size two. You know, she's mm-hmm. beautiful, but she's not yes. like the classic, you know, um, the classic type of woman that we usually see, um, you know, in these in these roles. So uh, in a starring role, you know, um, that she's uh, I mean, she's not, you know, she, she doesn't give us a huge amount of body diversity, but some which is more than we usually get. Um She's sweet. She's earnest. She's naive, you know, but she's an endless source of hope and optimism. And sometimes I think that requires naivete. I think that's an interesting question to ask, you know. Um, yeah. And I like the idea that that could be at the core of the story, you know, like mm-hmm. is 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 naivete the the price that you pay to to have optimism and have hope, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I like the world building. I like the fairyland. You know, I mm-hmm. like that idea. I think that's really interesting. Um, I, I, I don't know that they've built the world well enough to hold up to any real scrutiny. You know, not that like, yeah. you know, it's a Disney yeah. film. It's magical. You know, you can wave your hand with that and good enough. Right. But I look at that mm-hmm. world and I'm like, well, how does this exist? And they haven't had an assignment in a really long time. So like, and what are these assignments? And like, it's, it's the endowment. Yeah. So like, that's part of running the school uh-huh. was they, <laughs> they have the endowment, <laughs> they, right? They and have the endowment yeah. that is. That is now running out. That's I'm kidding. A, I'm well, kidding. But no, but like a faith endowment, <laughs> endowment, sure, that the faith is what leads right? it, that there was enough belief in this, but we are running out of it. And that could, puts the time lock on without requiring Moira to be an antagonist mm-hmm. is that we are running out of time. 
our fairy godmothers are zipping into other roles, you know, magically yeah. being zipped into other roles and nobody knows who's going to be pulled out when they're going to be pulled out. But we're running out of fairy godmothers. And that's because mm -hmm. we're running out of faith. So we need to build faith. And the idea that too, that Eleanor, maybe, you know, like, forget that there was a letter written, maybe Eleanor chose Mackenzie, because Mackenzie is on TV. And if she does some of this fancy godmothering oh. in front of a media audience, that will build faith and that actually that's what Eleanor's goal is. And then when there's that argument between Mackenzie, this isn't about me. This is about you. It's about what you want. It's about you yeah. building that faith. And then Eleanor again connects with her job and what her role mm -hmm. is and all of that. I would, I would personally I like that. Really, yeah. really enjoy that. Um so uh so what about you? What worked for you in this? I think we've talked about a lot of those things, but yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I had some just some kind of sweet specifics. Like yeah. I loved the world building. Mm -hmm. Um that opening book, yeah. The Joy of Fairy Godmothering. Yeah. Oh girl. Uh-huh. Uh, I love the stack of mattresses. Uh -huh. oh, like Fairy so Princess cute. and the yeah. Pea. Mm -hmm. You know, that was really mm -hmm. cute. And the language, you know, like what in Godmother's name? Oh my godmother. Uh -huh. Like it was that was very mm -hmm. cute, you know, and I think that they, um, I think they worked that in well. And I really appreciated for all of Eleanor's naivete and, and innocence, the woman knows how to take a fucking compliment. Yes. So like every time someone said, Eleanor, you did it. She's like, yes, I know. Mm -hmm. Eleanor, that was great. Yes. Yes, it was. Thank you. Like, I'm like, wow, she she knows how she, to, to accept exactly. credit for yes. for her work. Mm -hmm. um, the gracious thank and that you. Was, and yeah. I know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was really good to see. Um, and I, I liked the kind of looking at if you're if you're trying to godmother or support or help a single mother. Mm -hmm. You know what she actually needs? She needs somebody to clean her house, yep. help her kids with her homework and send her ass for a haircut by herself <laughs> with three hours of quiet. That is what she yeah. needs. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a pretty good job with that, mm -hmm. you know, um, and I, I, but my favorite part was in the beginning. Um, I love that truck driver. Yeah. The truck driver who picks up Eleanor. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, it delighted me having a woman driving that big old truck yeah. and and just and helping her. Sweet. Yeah. She puts her in a big coat mm -hmm. and she, you know, takes care of her. And I'm like, oh, my God. Uh, so that was uh, there was a lot of kindness. Yeah. yeah. Um, in this movie mm -hmm. that I really, really appreciated. Um, and I liked Eleanor in the way that she was helping Jane actually went out in the street and sang with her yeah like performed with mm -hmm. her so she's not just saying you can we do got it six she's saying dollars and a chicken nugget yes <laughs> <laughs> i will do it with you yeah. you know which i just i really kind of appreciated that so i mean there was a lot in there that i enjoyed i thought that was all i think that's all really good stuff and so we want to preserve all of that right um yeah. so how do we fix this story a lot of the things that we've talked about already so i would say first of all you got to pick a lane for your conflict yeah. and stay in it i think that the the best conflict is probably eleanor versus mckenzie um mm -hmm. or you know eleanor is going out and eleanor wants to fix you know, wants the faith, right? Eleanor is going yeah. out to get faith back by performing these things. And she's choosing Mackenzie upon whom to like fix her life and get her, her happily ever after or whatever. But it's not about Mackenzie. Um, and Mackenzie, 
you know, I like that Mackenzie is working through grief, right? Um, that yeah. is actually a theme in our stories that I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of considering everything that we have endured globally this year. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of grief to be processed in our stories and we need more of that. Her husband died. The, the man that she was going to be happily ever after with, a man she loved dearly, um, died and left her, right? And so she's there. And like, if you're her, what do you want? You want him back. Right. Yeah. You know, um, and that's one thing that Eleanor can't do. So Eleanor's trying to get Mackenzie a, um, you know, like the prince, the Hugh Prince, whatever his name is. He's <laughs> sweet, his whatever. name is Hugh Prince. Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and so Eleanor's going about everything from an external in you know, space mm-hmm. and, and um, trying to like make it look really good. And, and, but rather than being what Mackenzie really needs, Mackenzie really needs is to process her grief, you know, yeah. to be able to be in a space where she could move on, but that she doesn't need a man. The prince, I like the fact that we dropped that in the middle of it. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, here we are with oh, this. Me too. She needs a man me in too. order to be happy, you know, um, but that she doesn't need a man. But what she needs is to be able to process that grief and to say goodbye. And that if Eleanor is actually ac- able to quietly help Mackenzie do that at the end, when Eleanor has that realization that if I'm go- that we're and, and it can be part of the dark moment that like the the fairy mm-hmm. godmother space is going to be gone. Like right. it's going to be done. I haven't saved us. I haven't done the big splashy thing that's going to get all of this attention. And then, you know, but in losing, I'm going to do something that matters. The last thing I do as a fairy godmother before I become a tooth fairy, before I become a Christmas elf, right, is I am going to help this woman process her grief. And then you have a quiet moment that ends up being a victory for Eleanor because she yeah. is able to do the job. You know, she's able to do what she what she needed to do, which is put Mackenzie in a place where she can be happy again. Yeah, especially if if Eleanor in that moment believes that the fairy godmother world has completely fallen and crumbled Mm -hmm. um, because then she would also be experiencing grief. Yeah. Exactly. Which is probably not part of the fairy godmother curriculum. But then maybe because these two little girls saw that happen. That's enough faith. To yep. keep it going for it a back. little while oh, longer. That would have been so sweet. Right? <laughs> right? So yeah. that because she does the right thing, even knowing she was going to lose everything, that's mm-hmm. the choice that she makes. You know, but yeah. then these little girls see that. And because these little girls have that faith and because maybe they told a friend, you know, right. and said there's a godmother, you know, or whatever, that that's actually what... And then when she goes Aww. back and she redesigns that curriculum, she's like, this is what we're doing. You know, yeah. we're going in, we're taking out the flash and we're doing things that have yeah. actual meaning, actual impact in the community. Oh, God. So what if the purpose or the service of the fairy godmother then becomes the the person who comforts you and helps you work through grief yeah. like that and and that has been their purpose all along yeah but they forgot it and got away but from but they it. got all and about the was, carriages and oh the pumpkins and the everything right this is so beautiful <laughs> 
then you tell that story so deeply resonant with those themes, right? Um, and that ends up being something that has like a deeper meaning while you're still able to do all of the things that we loved. We're able to get Eleanor's naivete. We're able to get the carriages and the raccoon and the crazy, silly stuff that's really, really fun. But again, it, but it, that it's the faith of these two little girls at the yes. end that actually saves it. You know, um, oh, I think that I that, that would be a really, really fun way to tell the story. And again, one more draft and they could have done it. One oh, yeah. more draft and they yeah. could have done it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, um, all right. Is there anything else that we wanted to talk about with Godmothered? Um, I don't think so. All right. I mean, I, it was fun. I, I just really do appreciate the epilogue. Yeah. Um, give me. <laughs> right. I, I don't typically care for epilogues, but they're okay. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't hate them the way I hate prologues, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will take that epilogue all day long. Yeah. It's sweet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So love what you love. Dr. Kelly Jones, what's your favorite part? Oh my God. So when the truck driver picks up mm -hmm. Eleanor and Eleanor says, I don't want to be a tooth fairy. Mm -hmm. The truck driver says, I lost my heart to a tooth fairy at Burning Man in 2004. <laughs> I love that. Might be the cutest yeah. line in like a, a quote unquote mm -hmm. family movie that I have ever heard. It delighted me yeah, to know it. That is pretty sweet. Uh, what about you? What's your favorite part? God, I think for me, it's the world. I think it's the, mm -hmm. it's the um the idea of this fairy godmother world and the potential that that unlocks. Um, yeah. you know, I, I really really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was really cool. So we want to hear about your favorite part and your thoughts in general on fairy godmothers because it's fascinating. <laughs> so to join in the discussion on Twitter, follow me at Dr. Kelly Jones and Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and use the hashtag HowStoryWorks. You can also follow all of our shows and news at Chipperish. How Story Works and everything Chipperish Media does is made free to all by our generous patrons. If you're getting value out of this discussion, we ask that you help us out by kicking a dollar or two a month our way so we can keep on only working nights and always have change in our pockets. <laughs> this episode of How Story Works was brought to you by the Chipperish Media producers who support us on Patreon at the power producer level. These people are the reason why How Story Works is coming to you free and ad-free right now. So thank you to our February producers, Stephania, Shelley, Rose, Jonathan, Alice, Kristen, Sarah, Christina, Erica, and Abigail. And this week's special message for our power producers, fairy tales end with happily ever after. And that's where we begin. Stuff is happening for our Patreon supporters. Lonnie and I released our discussion of the Queen's Gambit for all patrons. $5 and up supporters get access to Lonnie's new video podcast with Ian Martin from Passion of the Nerd, Let's Watch Roulette, where they roll a random movie or TV show, watch it, and then react. And our $10 and up supporters get to hang out with us and watch while we record and chat with us afterwards. So if you're not a Chipper supporter yet, now is definitely the time to start. Absolutely. It is. We've got a live audience now, and it's so fun. All right. We'll be back next time with Can You Ever Forgive Me? So get your fairy tale back here. <laughs>